Welcome to the Project on the Rocks podcast, where we bring you stories from the Project and Agile community, as well as inspirational learnings from leaders in the space. This podcast is in partnership with the Black Dog Institute, who aim to create a mentally healthier world for everyone. If you wish to support the cause, please donate via the link below. Well, look, chaps, thanks so much for jumping on. Um, this is the second time that we've met like this, albeit the first time on the Project on the Rocks podcast. Um, we, how many weeks ago was it now? Three or four? We got together Around. for your podcast? I think so. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll link that in the comments when I, when I post this, um, to give you some additional airtime, although I'm not sure how many more people <laughs> this one will reach than yours already does, but we'll see. You'll make us famous, I reckon. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Um, so look at it. As a quick introduction for everybody listening, I've got Jordan Bailey and Adam Murray with me today. Um, I don't know how best to describe you guys. Two seasoned scrum masters um, who work together uh, and also host a podcast called the Awaken Agile Podca- uh, Podcast. Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Awaken yeah. Agile. Also, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which is essentially a weekly, right? You guys get together every Friday morning and do half an hour, which is amazing. We do, we do. We uh, it's part of our, I guess, weekly ritual. We just yeah get together on a Friday morning and and uh, talk about stuff. <laughs> Good. How do yeah, you? We're... How many episodes in are you now? Seventy, seventy something. Seventy six. Seventy. Yeah, seventy six. That's a lot of stuff you've talked about. Mm-hmm. It is a lot of stuff. It seems. <laughs> yeah. It seems like it's. A, really, a challenge now to come up with things to talk about because. How, how do you do yeah. that? We just have a talk about what happened during our week. And if some, we think of something that's interesting that may have happened with our teams or in the organization or that we can we can talk about, which isn't reveal, <laughs> reveal who we're <laughs> no talking names. about or no names and, and keep keep the identity secret um, that we think might be useful for people to, to hear about and learn from, then, uh, yeah, we, we talk about that. We started off talking about, you know, the basics of Scrum and try to teach people Scrum and Agile and Lean mm. and different topics and, and that kind of thing. But now we've kind of morphed into what we think practical help might might be might be okay for people to listen it's really to. really good. I think mm. the episodes are awesome. I like that it's kind of they're kind of short form and you guys know what you're talking about. You get to the point. It's very easy to digest as a listener. It's brilliant. Mm. Oh, thanks. <laughs> which this podcast isn't <laughs> as you know this is, has typically been a little bit more kind of long form and i, I have uh, sort of taken a leaf out of your book and i'm I'm still working on what this podcast really should be and typically it has been getting professionals from the agile space to come on and, and share their story and share insights and tips and i think mm. i think that's really useful especially for those who are coming through the space and who want to get into the space mm. um generally speaking i like to kind of let you guys do as much of the talking as possible but what i what i want to start with is um a bit of a kind of quick fire question round more than anything just to get people who are listening to know you um and again this is the first and i've only ever done this with one other person so i'm going to alternate these questions for you um and uh jordan maybe we can start with you so what's the best job you've ever had oh crap um. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to say it's your current job your employer probably isn't listening <laughs> No, it is. It is this job. I, I I love it. I absolutely love it. I love um, helping teams become 
or trusting, building relationships and, mm-hmm. and helping solve problems and helping them like light bulbs go off, right? Like like what teachers get when they um, teach their students and they've learned something and they, the light bulb goes off. Um, I love those those moments. Oh, so, that's yeah. cool. So no changes for you coming soon then? Not anytime soon. <laughs> I'm asking not as a recruiter. I'm asking as a podcaster. <laughs> I didn't take it that way. <laughs> um, all right. Um, I'll flick it over. Worst job you've ever had, Adam? Oh, worst job I've ever had. Uh, I I had a job at a four-star hotel in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And it was a uh, it was a pretty bad environment. So I'd I'd come from um, I originally started off in hospitality. So I started off in in hotels and things. And I, I'd come from a five star hotel to to a new job at a four star hotel. And and the the management the environment was was pretty toxic. Are you sticking to um, your no names policy here? I am sticking to my uh, okay. policy. <laughs> um, uh, I stuck out twelve months, and then twelve months on the dot, I was I was gone. I was out of there. That's quite a long time to stick in a job that you hate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I, I did my time. <laughs> How long ago was that? That must have been a while, right? That was a while. That was uh, before uh, the clock tick over to the year two thousand. So that was, that right, was yeah. in the last century. Got but, it. Yeah. Um, mm. I'll ask you both this one because I think it's an interesting one. No limits to your imagination. What would your dream job be? Uh, something to do with, um, like. I really love chopping wood with a chainsaw <laughs> and and um and like you're in the forest by yourself there's nothing around it's just me and dad go on weekends sometimes it's the best thing and um and you're just chopping wood and like you're feeling uh, accomplished because you're working hard but then you stop and and you just you're in complete like serenity you just hear nothing but birds and there's nothing for miles and it's just quiet and you come home with a bunch of wood and it's just you feel so <laughs> I love accomplished it. it's good honest work yeah are you thinking like um the, the chainsaw sculpting sort of thing is that the vibe <laughs> you're going for or are you just you're chopping up firewood just chopping up firewood yeah, yeah. all right simple simple nice. man <laughs> <laughs> adam what about you uh for me so it's it's find a a, a basically a hobby you love and it doesn't become your job if you can get paid if you can get paid for doing what you love uh i would run tabletop role-playing games if i could get paid for that and pay the bills i, I would run games for people That'd be um, class. there are people who do that right who've got massive games going that have been running for years and years and yep yep you can you can do it but uh like it, it does take a lot of work and effort to build it up to something that actually <laughs> become <laughs> becomes an income yeah mm. maybe in the, the latter stages of your career i reckon you could you could pivot yeah yeah I, yeah i don't see why i couldn't but uh Definitely. yeah that's, that's nice. something i would do mm. all right um jordan i'll throw this one to you favorite band or musician i i threw that one to you because the guitar is always in the background every time we meet oh uh, yeah yeah um <laughs> i uh i'll give you two answers um my my growing up band was Bon Jovi, no question. I loved the hell out of it. Every song, if you play the first two, three seconds of any Bon Jovi song, I'll tell you 
what song it is from what album, what number on the album list, and I can really? see the Richie Sambora solo. Yeah, legit, like serious. Yeah. Um, that's how much I loved it. These days, not so much. I, I really like um, Breaking Benjamin. It's a heavy, heavy kind of metal band. Um, but uh, I am going to name my daughter Jovi, and that's not a joke. Are you? I, <laughs> I love have it. a daughter. Yeah. Wife's on board. It's gonna happen. So. Your son called, have you got a son called Benjamin or no? Oh no, that's a good idea though. <laughs> you um adam what are you currently watching on netflix if anything uh i am currently well uh not not netflix but uh amazon prime i'm watching the boys the, oh, current, yeah. the current season of the boys yeah. a couple of people have said that to me i've not seen it any mm. of it uh it is it is uh i reckon adults only viewing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, for some reason, I really like the premise of uh, the superheroes uh, are not, you know, all squeaky clean all the time. Uh, so yeah, that that's it's uh, it's quite a fun fun watch. Yeah, nice. Mm. Um, very quickly, this one for both of you: beer or wine? Beer. Wine. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uneven round when you two go to the pub. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last one. If again for both of you, which actor would play you in a story about your life, which would include your career? Oh. The immediate I'll one that came to my head was Tom Hanks. Straight away. Oh, nice. He'd do a good job oh, of it. That's a good answer. That's He'd good be answer. a charismatic scrum master, wouldn't he? <laughs> he would. I think he would. Yeah. I haven't seen the new Elvis movie yet. Apparently he's pretty good as was it Tom Parker. I'll take the guy from Parks and Rec. Was it Chris? The uh... <laughs> oh yeah, Chris Pratt. Chris yeah, Pratt. I'll take him. <laughs> I can see that <laughs> as well. I can see it. Um, all right, chaps. Thanks for that. that was fun. I feel like I know you a little bit better. Um, and thanks for keeping it quick fire as well. Um, all right. So generally speaking, what what I like to do on this is ask people are about how they kind of got to where they are and I think it's kind of interesting that you guys come as a as a pair in many ways certainly from the podcast but you work together as well right mm. so mm. Let, let's talk about how mm. that came to be how you guys formed a relationship that you've got and and how you got to podcasting as well I think that's a pretty unique story right yeah do you want to go Jordan yeah I'm happy to go happy okay to go. um Oh, gee, a couple of years, th two, three years ago, maybe. Um, Adam was my agile coach. He d he wasn't a scrum master; he was an agile coach. Which, you know, how different is that? I don't know. Um, but he was um, mentoring me and coaching me regularly, and um, and I was pretty new in the in the role as well, newish. Um, but definitely coming out of um, we did an ep one of our first episodes was about this, where I kind of um, I came out of. Um, a safe course, two day safe course where scaled agile framework course. And, um, and I thought, Oh man, I'm going to do all these new things to my team. And I broke it. I broke the team. And, um, Adam really helped me through that. So I broke a lot of trust because I was making a lot of changes and I learned a lot of things really quickly in that time, um, which was awesome. And Adam was kind of there the whole time. And, um, and we, we got through it. It was, um, probably a month and a half of pain and then starting to build trust back with the team. Um, and yeah, Adam, Adam was just, awesome helping me out there and um so adam was an agile coach in the area so he was helping other scrub masters as well and um and then we were just on regular coaching 
and uh, it kind of got to a point where it became less of a coacher and coachee and more of a partnership where we were trying to make changes in the business as well. And I think I just got hooked on the whole thing and, and went hardcore. And um, and then I just said, you want to start a podcast? <laughs> and you said, yes. <laughs> Do you have any, any um, sort of podcasting experience or are you just like, let's give this a crack? Oh, no, no experience now. No idea. What about <laughs> public, no idea. public public speaking? Anything like any? Yeah, pu- a yeah, bit of public speaking. Like I'm, I'm, I'm an, I'm an introvert, so I'm not someone who's going to, you know, walk into a, a room and start just uh, meeting people. <laughs> so it's taken a long time to get up, um, get up the courage, I guess, to to be. Uh, public speaker trainer um podcaster although it took a lot of years to to be able to walk into a training room and be feel comfortable um training or even public speaking i've had a couple of a couple of gigs where you walk into a a room full of people and talk to them about a topic and they Mm. hopefully listen intently but yeah um but getting back to what jordan was talking about um Thank you for the pump up. Um, yeah. That was no nice. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Jordan was uh, fresh into the scrum master role space, and it was like a like an excited puppy. Um, <laughs> just True. just wanted to get into everything and do everything. And uh, um, but then over the course of our our I guess engagement relationship. Um, he out outgrew anything that I thought I could teach him, and he became a really fantastic scrum master, and still is. Um, and then, then he decided to to spread out on his own and go into a, a new and different department and get some more experience. And um, he did that, and then, and then he's he's come back. So we're we're working together again. Nice, the band's mm. back together. Bands back together. We got the band back together. Yeah, <laughs> it's, um, it's quite an interesting choice of career for you, Adam, as an introvert to be in that kind of coaching and scrum mm. master world, right? Because it's very much mm. doing those mm. things that you described, getting up in front of people and yeah. trying to get behind and talking. So, how, how did you kind it of is. figure that out? Yeah, so I'm I'm a I'm a coach at at my core. So I've I've always been involved with kids, sport, um, basketball, uh, Australian rules football, um, but I've always also leaned in my career also leaned towards more coaching people or coaching teams or being a people leader. Um, I just I just get a lot of uh, joy out of seeing people achieve their goals, personal or developmental or career goal, whatever it is. Mm. Um, and if I can have a small part in, you know, connecting them to the right person or, you know, helping them figure out what they want to do next um, or where they want to go, then I'm – and seeing them achieve that, then that that gives me a sense of satisfaction. So that's that's where I um, kind of revolve towards uh, this scrum master mm-hmm. or coach or whatever you want to call it, agile coach thing. Um yeah, so that's me. It didn't. I haven't always been this. Um, I think it's probably been in the agile space about ten years or so, mm-hmm. um, where 
um, you know, our business at the time was was thinking about doing some agile things, and then this 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 role called Scrum Master <laughs> was mentioned, and I kind of read up a little bit about it and thought, oh, yeah, that that seems interesting, you know, um, helping teams get better or the team get better um, at being a team and uh, improving process and short turnaround times and and that kind of thing rather than the big multi-year projects I was always on <laughs> um, as a business analyst um, but yeah so that's yeah that's where where I got kind of interested in in this role of being a scrum master that makes sense mm. and Jordan are you, would you see are you more naturally kind of extrovert is that is that fair yeah yeah, yeah. definitely yeah um yeah, I, I could definitely talk to people all day and not get exhausted. You know, like introverts, they get really tired after that. Mm -hmm. I think I probably get energized from it. Um, I used to be a musician, so that's probably why as well. That makes sense. And uh, what, what do you think it takes to be a good scrum master or a good agile coach, given that you've both got different natural styles? Mm -hmm. Intention to want to help. <laughs> hmm. Uh, empathy you need to be a good listener a good scrum master listens to what's being said and a great scrum master listens to what's not being said nice I'm good great scrum master jeff watts <laughs> that's a good it's a good what else do you need to be to, uh flexibility you yeah know, accommodating yeah. stuff stuff will change on a on yeah. a <laughs> multiple times during a day and you just need to need to go with it and improvise good if you can figure out some way to learn improvisation then especially you know when you're running sessions or facilitating a retro whatever it is um stuff might happen in the middle of it you just need to improvise yeah it might go completely pear-shaped and you're like okay guys <laughs> yeah this doesn't seem to be useful so let's let's do something else <laughs> that makes sense mm. it's like a it, it is a lot of style i feel being the scrum master isn't it you have to you have to have a certain way about you and perhaps it can be taught and perhaps you can learn it but i do feel like fundamentally there's something within a scrum master that makes them a good scrum master mm. Mm. i agree with that and it's kind of hard it's hard to define what that is and i struggle with that when i'm working with organizations because i feel like a cv certainly in a scrum master or an agile coach's instance it only tells a very very small part of that person's story and mm. a lot of the interesting and, and important stuff it's very difficult to get down onto a CV mm. or or words. I think for me, it's 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 the ability to read a room. So walk into a room and read a room, and mm. and then modify your approach accordingly. Mm -hmm. um, if if you if you're going in and like you know uh, like the brand new scrum master, you've just come out of training, and you're all excited to do all the all the things that the scrum guide says um but you don't you don't follow along with the, the way the team is behaving reacting you don't have the trust uh, mm. it's it's just mechanics and you, you you won't succeed so you need to be able to read the room and modify accordingly that makes sense yeah you, you need to i think you also need to be able to know when to use different skills in terms of working with people so knowing when to use different assertiveness or when you shouldn't be using assertiveness or or trying something and and knowing that you can be wrong 
and 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 trying to get more of a democratic approach as opposed to just directing. And but some teams sometimes teams want that. They're like, why don't you just bloody give us the answer? <laughs> Stop coaching me, man. Like, um, so yeah, knowing the difference between when to use those things is is really important. I That's think. good advice. Um, so have you guys interviewed scrum masters in the past? Mm. Roles in your teams, yeah. Yeah, I have. Yeah. And yeah. um, how do you explore somebody's experience and suitability for a role during your interview? Yeah, usually uh, it's scenario-based questions. Um, so you, you throw them a scenario and then see how they would, or how describe how they would react or how they would tackle that scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually, is, is there any sort of bog standard? Yeah, two that you would use. Usually, I've got like half a dozen just written down, and as yeah. as the interview goes along, I might just throw one or two in. Um, you know, the, the one where the the retrospective is uh, it's going along, and everyone, no one's talking, no one's engaging, no one's engaged. How, how would you, what would you do? How would you, you know, get some engagement going? Or um, uh, you've got the uh, manager. Uh, interjecting at the daily stand-up, what do you do? Basically, half a dozen or so, you know, strong anti-patterns, um, and you just throw them as, as a as a scenario and see see what what happens. And that gets gives you a couple of things, you know, what they're like as a as a as a person interacting with the team, and also um, uh, a bit of their experience. You know, uh, can you can you give me an example of when you've actually done that or you know yeah you're not just talking from a from a book (laughs) can you can you tell when somebody is giving you a textbook answer versus a genuine one i don't think you can well remotely it's very very hard because you don't have the full body language to to go on um if if you're in a room you can you can generally tell from the body language um and maybe that's a good scrum master tip is to go and do some reading up on body language or some mm. training on body language. Yeah, it's it's difficult. It's difficult. But if you throw a few scenarios together, generally you'll you'll get a you'll uncover that. You'll uncover. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think um, it's interesting from a, a CV perspective. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this, but those CVs whereby the description of that particular individual's job and what they achieved is just a copy and paste of a job spec for that role. You can spot on a mile away and it's so surface level and often what you were brought in to do versus what you've done are not the same. Mm. Um, and I feel like almost giving a textbook answer in an interview is the equivalent of that. <laughs> mm. It's not really genuine insight. No. No, yeah. I think a lot of CVs that I see anyway seem to be fairly yeah, all samey, very, very much the same kind of thing you know mm. a little bit of blurb about the person um uh, their experience and their skills um yeah you really i guess the question is how do, how do you then get to interview stage because if there's 50 100 whatever cvs going in front of a in front of a they're not going to interview 50 100 people so what's what's Absolutely, the yeah. thing what's the thing that pops um i've got an answer for that but it's a biased one <laughs> Go. it's your recruiter 
Mm. <laughs> recruiter who's got a line into the hiring manager who can have that conversation and say this guy or girl has got x y and z you should speak to them above mm. the 49 other cvs that you've got mm. Mm. albeit yeah. not everyone works with a recruiter so yeah mm. um so i um this is a a new thing that i wanted to try and again a lot of this is inspired by your podcast so i hope you don't mind me <laughs> ideas and thinking about things um but I, I wanted to do some sort of listener questions. Um, and I pop, I've, I've got them here. These are things that I've been asked um, regularly by people that I work with. And I also let a, a couple of people in my uh, sort of closer network know that I was jumping onto a podcast with two um, excellent scrum masters who might be able to shed some light and, and ask them what they would ask you. Um, oh, cool. So these are mostly unrelated, but I think they're interesting and quest, interesting questions that like, we might do we'll go one for one so jordan you can do one i can do one if i've got any insights i'll add them as well so i'll let you guys decide who wants to take the first one but the question is what's the best way to move from being a project manager to being a scrum master oh that's a fun question can i go first adam yeah forget everything you know <laughs> <laughs> no um Oh, uh, the best product I've, I've worked with, um, last couple of years, I've worked with probably 10 product owners. Um, and I'm, I feel really blessed to be able to do that, uh, cause it gives me a lot of ex exposure. Mm. Um, and I found the best product owners have not been project managers. Um, they've been in other departments. Yeah. Uh, they've been maybe SMEs about, you know, subject matter experts in some, mm -hmm. some form of business, but, um, yeah, uh, it's, it's a completely different role really. Um, and I think the challenge is that businesses don't recognize too much the difference between product owner and project manager. And so they do hire project managers for product product owner roles. But if, to answer your question, if I'm a project manager and I want to be a PO, um, I would try to empty empty my cup, so to speak, and, and kind of forget the idea of working backwards, uh, forget the idea of, you know, managing people, do, managing people doing capacity and making sure you have 100% resource utilization. I would, I would kind of try to push that aside and go, Product owner is the voice of the customer. How do I how do I think about that? How do I think about the goal and the vision and let the team self-organize? And I'll be looking in, yeah, I'll be looking into self-organization. I'll be looking into getting away from the almost the leadership aspect. You, what, you are a leader because you hold the goal, you hold the vision. But I'll be getting away from the what people are doing with their what what their hands are getting into. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So you're viewing the problem from a different perspective in a way. And Absolutely. And would that be the same for somebody who wanted to move into agile coaching or scrum master roles? Would you would you say it's the same advice to kind of forget and yeah, reconfigure yeah, almost? I would take the soft skills, right, of leadership and teams and empathy. I would take all those skills and try to drop the hard skills, all the skills you've learned about project management, all the skills you've learned about what, whatever that kind of managerial role might be. Mm -hmm. And and just go back to basics. Like why, why is this even here? Why is Scrum even here? Why, why does a product owner exist? What does it do? And you can even go to scrum.org and look at the Scrum guide and, and why it was there in the first place. And it, it, you can, it's good too to ask why, because you might go, okay, I'm applying for this Scrum master or product owner role for this business. And they're trying to achieve this. And this is how they're trying to achieve it. And why they why do they want Scrum then? Well, that doesn't make sense. It's not lining up. It seems like they want a project manager. Do, do you know what I mean? You, you, yeah, if yeah. you keep digging into why, you'll be able to answer those questions. And if, if you go, no, 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 they, they want to go Scrum or they want to go Agile, 
Uh, they're going straight to customer. They, they want short feedback loops and, and they want teams to be self-organizing. Okay, cool. This role makes sense in this area. Um, so why am I here? And yeah, and just going back and, and I would go back to the scrum guide, maybe do a, maybe you can do a PSM one course or a product owner course or something that might help you understand the, the rules and the basics and then let's go from there. Yeah, that's brilliant advice. Um, all right. Um, let me flick this one to you then. Mm -hmm. Is it true that a CV should only be two pages long? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. Um, no, I don't think so. Um, if you've got a, an interesting story to tell, then then tell it. I would I would probably not go uh, longer than I don't know how many pages four or five. If you if you're going to get to that amount of detail, then probably too much. If you think cover letter plus two to three pages of CV, I you know if you've got a good story to tell, then then tell it. Why would you? restrict yourself to two pages that sounds a bit, sounds a bit like high school you know an essay must yeah, be two pages long i agree <laughs> there, was, there has been this weird thought and it, it's changed over the years it should be four pages it should be two you know it should be a one sheet um mm. i agree if there's an interesting story to tell you should definitely tell it it should not be a copy and paste of jd yeah yeah you know, and if you've if, got four or five pages of that that's a waste you know if, if you've got a, a blog or some, or a podcast or something, then put the links in so that the, yeah. the recruiter can go and have a look at them uh, as well. Mm. I agree with that. Anything mm. to add to that, Jordan? No, that's interesting. I'm going to keep that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thought you weren't looking for a change. You don't need to keep that in mind. <laughs> um, all right, Jordan, do certifications really matter? I think if you see someone with 10 or 15 certifications, that's a red flag. I think that's a red flag. Yeah. Um, Why is that? Okay, well, why? Because um, what are you doing wasting your time with so many certifications? <laughs> like, okay, so you probably need to dig into it as to why. But you, if you get these people that have 10, 15 certifications, but they don't have any soft skills or people skills or, or high EQ or empathy, do you know what I mean? So people are yeah. just just ticking boxes. Um, so they're just trying to get certifications to tick boxes. Did you learn anything? Like, what did you take from these certifications? Why do you need to do 10 or 15? There aren't 10 or 15 different... You're not going to, it's not a new book. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, they're not a new set of rules, every certification. Some are specific. Like, if you're doing safe, if, if a company is pure safe, you should do a safe course. If a company is more scrum.org, you should do a PSM1 course or a CSM or something. Um, I think that a scrum master should do one or two. I think that it's, it is good because it teaches you the rules and then you learn mm. how to break the rules and become the rule and shuhari, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, if you got ten or fifteen, that's a flag. If you got nothing, I would question it. If you got no yeah, right. certification, brilliant. I've never heard that perspective before, and I've never thought that way. But I think you're right. So I, I, my go-to answer on this is is no, they don't matter, until perhaps you get to the point where someone's got fifteen or twenty of them, and it's like, okay, this actually might matter. What should we explore this? Mm. Um, it's a brilliant answer. All right, this one's quite vague, but I'm going to ask you and see how you what you take of it. Um, is there such a thing as true agile? <laughs> uh no i don't think so i don't think so i think it's it's different wherever you go um you you walk into a, a one organization and their their 
agile is different to the one right next door, which is different to the one right next door to that. And as a scrum master, you need to spend some time figuring out what that flavor of agile is um, and be open and honest about that. So you walk in to a, a new gig uh, and you say, look, I'm going to spend a couple of weeks here just figuring out and learning how you guys do your agile <laughs> um, before I start um, suggesting things to to work on, improve, fix, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, it's like we're talking about the new Scrum Master before just had training and wants to go in and, and run 15-minute stand-ups every day. Um, it's not the same everywhere, so don't try and carbon copy everything. Mm -hmm. <sighs> I'm kind of... those Scrum Masters and coaches who go in and want to start whacking people across the head with a textbook and 15 certifications are likely to fail. <laughs> yeah, that... that um... You're there to help the business be better and become better and continuously improve. It's not if if you go in there with a textbook, uh, you you're bound to fail. And it's kind of, but there are those zealots out there that think that's that's the way. You're not if you're not doing everything by the book, then you're not doing agile. You're not doing Scrum. You're not doing whatever, whatever. Um, you know, uh, Scrum Master is a, it's kind of unfortunate that it's called Scrum Master because people kind of think you have to be doing Scrum to be doing Agile when you don't. So it, it as a Scrum Master, you need to have a toolkit and you pick the right tool for the job, whatever that is. Getting a thumbs up there from Jordan, <laughs> that's the, the perfect answer, evidently. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, all right, Jordan. Is an agile coach a luxury item for a business? Oh, that's a fun question. It could be. It could be. Um, it depends what the business is doing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's no short answer to this one. So I, I think if the business wants to be agile, you probably need agile coaches and they need to be running agile training in the teams and you need to hire people that have agile experience or are willing to do the training. You can't just have agile coaches and the business not being willing to change because then they're just doing nothing and then they're a luxury yeah. item. So the leadership needs to be very conscious of the change that they're making. If they're changing to agile, um, if they've been agile for a long time and they're agile coaches, well then yeah, like you, it's like a mechanic, right? Sometimes a mechanic needs to fix the car and sometimes the mechanic only needs to service the car. But for it to run properly, it still needs the mechanic still needs to be there. Um so Okay, now it's a good one. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think I think then they're, they're not in a luxury item unless unless the business is not willing to change and this and they're going back to their old ways. The agile coach will find a lack of purpose because they're not able to make the changes that they wish they could because they're getting no buy-in from the leadership. Good answer. Did that and, answer your um, question? It definitely does, yeah. I think I, I was almost thinking of it in a different way in that we've had, you know, Sydney, Australia's had a, a very good run over the last couple of years, three years probably, despite COVID, like business has boomed and organisations have had money to spend on resources and everything else. And I wonder if, if the possibility of a downturn on the cards over the next, you know, 12, 24 months, whatever it might transpire to be, is it is it coaches who are going to go? Or is 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 a business going to tighten their belt and go? Well, you know what? Now maybe not. Is now 
now is maybe not the time to be employing a coach? Do you think there's going to be that kind of nervousness or or no? Do you think they're, they're so fundamental now to the way that everybody's trying to work? I, I think there, there will be that. I think it's just going to be a natural a natural thing where businesses will uh, want to tighten their purse strings and they will think one way of doing that is to not hire as many or or remove their their agile coaches and i but i think that's a mistake mm-hmm. i agree. agree i think that's a big mistake if you're going to do that uh, if you if you think your agile implementation or transformation or whatever you want to call it or, or just continuing journey um is going to continue going along um and you remove a key component um then you're sorely mistaken <laughs> i think it's good. yeah but I, I've got a horrible feeling that some organisations might do it. I mean, it's perhaps inevitable, but um, yeah. yeah and, right? and the, the ones that don't will come out of this much better than the ones that do. 100%. Agree. Yeah. Um, all right, this is a very recruitment-centric um, question, but I'll throw it to you guys anyway. Someone asked or said, I went through an interview process and was told I was a no. I didn't get any feedback. What should I do? Ask for feedback. <laughs> Easy. That's yeah. That that's the immediate thing that popped in my head would would be to ask to, to seek some feedback. And look, if if the organisation doesn't give you any, that's not your fault. That that's that's their problem. Maybe maybe you could ask it in a way as as to say, look, I, I'd I'd really like to understand how I went during that that interview process, and if if you've got any um, suggestions for improvement for me for for next time, maybe that might might help. Yeah, what what yeah, maybe be a bit specific about the feedback you you're trying to to trying to get, rather than just say, hey, uh, did you have any feedback for me? Yeah, can I add to that? If yeah. if the business is being like non-responsive if they're not giving feedback and they're like no we don't have to give you feedback my wife used to be in hr and um and they the, the company she worked for um they didn't have to give feedback and so sometimes they just wouldn't because they didn't want to waste their time and um i'm not going to mention businesses here <laughs> um but if i didn't receive feedback i probably feel i should feel like i've dodged a bullet because what kind of company are not going mm. to spend the time to give someone feedback. Like if, you, if that's the way you treat people that you're trying to hire, forget about it, man. The way you treat people in the business can't it can't be much different. Yeah, yeah. Take, takes two minutes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> all fair. You know, even, even if that feedback is look, you were just beaten out by a, another candidate who had whatever that they had. Um, I mean. And then that's feedback to say, okay, maybe I can do. You kind of went, you went too high, maybe, or you need to reevaluate where you yeah. want to land. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, it, it, yeah, you're right, Jordan. If, if it takes two minutes to give someone some feedback, so you know, if the company isn't doing it, maybe rethink, <laughs> rethink about joining. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, yes, <laughs> do you want to be there? If that mm. organisation cares so little that they can't give you feedback when you've given them, you know, an hour or perhaps more of your time. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. That was the last question from sort of listeners and other people across the network, but you've answered them all wonderfully. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> That's been great. It's been really nice having you both on. It's nice to have a chat and um, yeah, it was nice to hear you guys doing the talking because I know when I was on your podcast, I was just <laughs> chewing your ear off for half an hour. Um, Loved it. So, so yeah, thanks so much, man. 